This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. With the delayed Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games done and dusted, the elusive, long-awaited gold medal for Malaysia is still very much the main objective looking ahead to the next edition in Paris. Our contingent brought home two-thirds of the projected target with a silver and bronze, and at the Olympic Games like no other, even achieving two medals was always going to be an uphill task for our athletes. Nevertheless, Tokyo 2020 has provided some memorable moments and breaking down the Malaysian contingent performance on the programme this week, we are joined by sports journalist Nicholas Anil. If you wanted a host nation that was capable of hosting an event of this magnitude, then, you know, you'd have to be um, a super efficient nation. And, you know, there's no other... Um, nation, you know, um, in my books at least, that would measure up to Japan, you know. Um, leading up to this um, Olympics, there were so many questions about whether this um, edition would actually take place, you yeah. know. Um, not only from the outside world, but from within the country itse- itself. You know, you had so many health experts who were calling for the cancellation of the Olympics uh, due to the surge of uh, COVID-19 cases in Tokyo, you know. And add to that, you know, the public uh, were also um, very adamant um, in in wanting these games to be called off. In fact, they had a poll just before the Olympics took place, yeah, you know, and, and got the consensus of the people. And uh, there was an overwhelming uh, appeal of sort of um, urge to the government to sort to uh, put these games on hold simply because of the health concerns. But you know, uh, they Japan did. They did so well, you know, not only by assuring the world that they are capable of staging uh, this Olympics, uh, they actually did it, you know, they, sure. and, and they did it uh, with overwhelming uh, success. Um, we had we had uh, the odd cases of, you know, COVID-19 uh, infections uh, among the athletes and yeah. also officials. But I think uh, despite that, that, that was sorted out really quickly. And in terms of the flow and the organization of the Games, it went on really smoothly. And I think uh, on a day-to-day basis throughout the duration of the Games, there was hardly any uh, glitch or, or, you know, postponement to any of the events. You know, it all went on as scheduled. And you could see the, the athletes themselves, you know, they were so pumped up. They were so fired up uh, to give their best. And indeed, they gave their best. We, we, we saw some outstanding performances from all the athletes and you know it was a fitting fitting uh, spectacle yeah. uh, despite the circumstances yeah for you know, sure i think the world really needed this you know they needed a reason for humanity for humanity to come together yeah. and celebrate the hard work of these athletes um, and and they just saw it you know and i think it, it gave the the world as a whole a reason to believe yeah, for sure. Uh, like like you mentioned, you know, even to the eleventh hour, right? Uh, a week before the Olympics opening ceremony, people were still wondering: Is it still going on? You know, would they pull it out? But you know, like you said, they went through and they did it splendidly. Uh, now zooming in into the Malaysian contingent that made it to Tokyo, sixty percent of the Malaysian athletes were female, which is a really great stat. Uh, the target for this year was one gold, one bronze, one silver, three medals. Right? We achieved two thirds of that. Uh, the elusive goal 
gold still remains pretty much elusive. However, we managed to achieve our second best Olympic hall, uh, equaling the 2012 London hall. Um, in your opinion, three medals were the targets too high for for these games? Um, no, not in, not not to me because. Um the target to win not only a gold medals but you know to always better our medal tally um, is an ongoing effort uh, all the time you know so th- this is not a target that has been set um, just only you know um, we always go to the olympics uh, with certain expectations you look at the last olympics in rio uh, where we collected five medals yeah you know? Um, and, and moving forward five years later uh, to this rescheduled Olympics, uh, the bar was set slightly lower, uh, taking into account, um, you know, the athletes, you know, some of them who are no longer in the scene, and also uh, perhaps taking into account um, the um, lack of, uh, you know, intensive preparations which were hampered due to the COVID-19. So, you know, three medals is not a high target um, for us to come back with two uh, is commendable. Yeah, it is sure. commendable. You know, I think uh, Azizul Asni Awang really made uh, the entire country proud by bagging that silver on the final day. Yeah. You know, at least we ended our campaign on a sweet note. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at the uh, our history in the participation of this uh, Olympic Federal, uh, in ninety sixth we fi- uh, in the ninety sixth edition we finished with uh, one silver, one bronze. You know, we repeated that in the two thousand twelve edition but on uh, both those occasions in 1996 and 2012 we actually finished higher up the medal table you know in 96 we were 58th place uh, 2012 we were 63rd place uh, and this time around we finished joint 74th that goes to show that the level of 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 the athletes at the olympics is always increasing you know yeah, the man. bar is always set at a higher uh, benchmark you know despite the COVID-19, you know, despite uh, preparations uh, all across the world being hampered, you know, athletes have found innovative ways to prepare for the Olympics, you know, and it's a totally different mindset when you come to the Olympics. I've uh, spoken to so many of our Olympians who competed in this Tokyo Olympics and, and for them, the main thing is to have that mental strength, you know. Sometimes you can have all the preparations in the world, you know, but if you don't have that mental fortitude coming into the uh, games like this, uh, then all those uh, preparations sometimes can go out the window. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, um, I, I think overall we, we did really well. But uh, of course, we are capable of doing much, much better. We have shown that at the Rio Olympic Games, you know, and I think we can, we can start to plan to do, uh, you know, to better our medal tally. Mm-hmm in Paris mm. and perhaps you know in uh, Los Angeles uh, yeah. in the next uh, edition yeah you're right in saying that the uh, the quality and the bar performance has definitely risen but so another thing to point out is that there are there are so many young athletes nowadays and young gold medalists as well um, off the top of my head that 14 year old gymnast from China right and you know skateboarding was also uh, included this year so is uh, surfing if I'm, if I'm not mistaken so a lot of new games a lot of new different fresh faces uh, in the scene uh, this year especially yeah exactly um, if you if you just look at uh, the module of China and how they have groomed their athletes right you know the, the the preparations or the road to the Olympics starts as early as six years old, seven That's years old. You know, I, I recently saw a, a collage of pictures of how uh, these Chinese athletes are groomed uh, 
from from ages six to ten, you know, and you have these young kids, you know, uh, hanging off uneven bars, you know, uh, being trained to be gymnasts hmm. with six packs. These are defined six packs, you know, uh, and, and you know they are, they are they are literally thrown in the deep end, you know, in the swimming pool as as early as five six years old, yeah. you know. So the 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 road to Olympic starts at that age, you know. It, It, it it doesn't start when when you are in primary school. It it doesn't start when you are in secondary school. When you're in secondary school, uh, the equivalent of secondary school, you're already expected to be an elite athlete, performing at the highest level, and expected to be a medal contender, especially in the sports which they are favorites. You know, such as diving, you know, gymnastics, mm. um, and so this is the bar. This is the bar of the Olympics, and you know, this is what I think we have to. Strive to reach. Of course, there is so many factors at play for us to get there. You know, uh, it is not just uh, the duty of the sports association. Uh, it is not just the duty of the sports schools. Uh, everybody plays a part, from the parents, you know, to the media, um, and to to uh, those recreational sports clubs who who are actually the the first path to these athletes. You know, uh, when they start their sporting journey, you know, there's so many factors at play. But this is the age, you know. You for for them, you you make it at six or seven, um, you know. And if it doesn't work out by the time you're thirteen or fourteen, then you know you choose another career path, focus mm. on your studies, you know, mm. uh, and you know maybe join the corporate world. But uh, sporting excellence begins at a very young age. Yeah, and especially like you say, you know, all parties involved, with society at large, right? Yeah, grassroots in Malaysia has been an issue for a long time now, and definitely, you know, China especially is a scene that we wish to to emulate at least, right? Um, looking into you know our achievements in Tokyo 2020, let's talk about badminton first. Nick, uh, the men's doubles won the bronze medal. Aaron Chia and So Wo Yik brought home third place. Their debut Olympics, nonetheless, you know. Um, eyes on the goal for them for Paris 2024. You think? Yes, for sure. I mean, it's it's only uh, the platform for which uh, they can build on, uh, you know, to strive for gold um, at at the Paris Olympics. Um, you look at Erin Chia and So Wu Yik. Um, you know, even though they are a top 10 pair, you know, coming into these Olympics, they had not won uh, a title on the world tour before this. You yep. know, they were always the pair that you know uh, would would. Would go high enough, you know, to reach a final, you know, but they they did not have it in them to, you know, break that barrier, you know, and 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 win a title. And I think all of that has changed now, you know. Even though that color is bronze, you know, it is achievement, you know. It means a podium finish, and it is a springboard for them to push for gold. And I think, you know, that is the 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 big takeaway from for for them at least, you know. To to start really uh, believing in themselves uh, that they are capable of matching and besting the rest. And if you look at the men's doubles uh, competition, it was a very high competition. Yeah. Level. You know, men's doubles are never never easy. You know, uh, you always had the formidable powerhouses like China, Indonesia. You know, but you look at at this edition. You know, you have uh, Chinese Taipei. You know. Who are nowhere in 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 badminton in in, in top tier world badminton, and they are now the the gold medalists. So you know the bar is always getting higher and higher, and I think uh, this uh, achievement comes at the right time. You know for this pair, they're still very young. You know they are in their early twenties, 
um, they've got loads of talent you know now they're under a good coach as well you know from Indonesia who's already uh, immersed uh, you know his his uh, tactics and his formation yeah. uh, in them and I think uh, it's it's only bound uh, for greatness so I, I really uh, see them going far and um hopefully winning gold uh, in Paris. Uh, moving on from men's doubles to, I guess, um, someone who, an athlete, uh, the single shuttler who, I guess, most of the nation were pinning their hopes on uh, on winning the gold medal, Lee Zichia, right? Uh, he was on a high after winning the All England a couple of months prior to Tokyo. Uh, eventually, he went down to the reigning Olympic champion and eventual silver medalist Chen Long. Um, do you think that uh, his loss is attributed to, you know, pressure, the pressure from home, you know, after winning the All England, people are expecting you, you know, to, to at least meet, uh, go to the semis or a podium finish at least? I think um, in uh, Zijia's case, um, it is a matter of um, that, just that lack of uh, experience. Um, if, you, if you look at the Chenlong game, you know, he dominated Chenlong in the first set. Yeah. You know, destroyed him. 21, I think it was 21. Eight. Uh, eight mm-hmm. You know, and uh, in the second game, uh, Chenlong recovered. Chenlong used his experience, you know, to take a commanding lead. But Zija fought back. He fought back and he leveled at 19 all. And, and that is when you thought, you know, okay, you know, Zija could take this at, at straight games, you know. Yeah. He could send the defending champion out. Um, but if you look at the at the two points with with Chenlong won, um, it was um, more of Chenlong using his experience, you know, uh, trying to pressure Zijia all over the court. You know, he pushed him to the deep pockets of the court, and when he had the opportunity, he got those winning points. So you know, it's just that that fine fine uh, details of of you know getting through the line at at crucial stages in Zijia's. Um, in Zijia's uh, experience, um, you know this. This is priceless. This is this is just um, a stepping stone, I would say, because this yeah. is his first Olympics. You know, yeah. the guys uh, now our number one men's singles shuttler. You know, and and he's taken over from a certain Lee Chong Wei, mm-hmm. which is never an easy mental. You know, but I, I'm 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 so I've, I've so much of admiration for Zijia simply because you know he's assumed this role. In such a relaxed manner, he's never put unnecessary pressure on himself, you know, to try and match the heroics or the accomplishments of Chong Wei. You know, he's he's always said that as well, you yeah, know, uh, has, yeah. in the press. You know, he does not want to be known as the next Li Chong Wei. Mm-hmm. He wants to be known as Li Zijia, you know, and, and that's how he's carried himself. Um, and so I think that, you know, it is... It is good, you know, that that uh, he's he's got this experience because now he knows how to handle himself better, you know, uh, during uh, pressure moments, during crucial points, you know, against uh, uh, more accomplished players. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, this experience will be priceless for him as he prepares, you know, to conquer uh, world badminton. Again, the men's singles is also a highly competitive affair. We saw Kento Pomota, you know, world number one and top seed, you know, crashing out in the group stage, you know, yeah. uh, and several other top shuttlers as well. So, um, you know, it's it's a case of having the right mindset, having the experience, you know, and and, and coming prepared, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's what I think uh, Victor Axelson, you know, um, had in abundance, you know. He, he already had the experience of the 2016 Olympics, you know, to serve him so well. And I think Zija will have the experience of this Olympics, 
you know, to serve him well in Paris. Yes, definitely. Um, Zijia, of course, you know, great badminton player, like you, like you mentioned, you know, top our top national uh, single shuttler, but also, I don't know if you know, but he's a great rapper and singer as well, you know, as, Indeed. as it emerged. He's just you know. launched his, his new uh, debut uh, single, song as yeah. well, you know. So, uh, multi-talented um, uh, athlete, you know, and and he carries himself very well you know he he knows the the, the right things to say yeah. um and uh, you know what what he, he's very clear about his vision so uh, i think uh, malaysian badminton fans you know have a lot have a lot to be to be encouraged about and uh, there there is a, a bright future for Malaysian badminton definitely uh, moving on to you know the flip side of coin uh, a pair that is i guess at the tail end of their careers right our mixed doubles uh, Go Liu Ying and Ping Sun uh, they won silver in Rio of course but they were outclassed this year losing all their group stage matches um, do you think that this is their last olympics uh, if if you ask me uh, just judging by you know their their journey so far I yeah I, I don't think they they would be um, heading to Paris even though Paris is uh, three years away uh, because uh, Peng Sun and Ewing have spoken they have hinted at uh, retirement uh, mm. before this mm. you know um, and I think maybe that is something they 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 might be looking at or or you know uh, uh, choosing another part in, in badminton um, you can see uh, how how they are. Yeah, performances were you know even though they were placed in a group which they were expected to qualify from you know um, they ended up losing uh, all their matches yeah. um, and it's and it's not due to you know the fact that they did not prepare well or they did not have the right tools to hit uh, to the Olympics you know um, there were there were so many contributing factors uh, towards you know their, their their overall performance you know Liuing was n- nursing a leg injury in the second game you know which she soldiered on to play in the third game even before that as independent players you know both these these shuttlers are independent players which means they had to train on their own yeah. uh, for long periods you know they only joined the uh, national centralized training camp in BAM about a month before they left for the Olympics. So that's when they had the full access of facilities, you know, and expertise. Before that, you know, it was everything uh, done on a DIY basis. So, you know, that also contributed, you know, towards the performance, you know. Um, I think uh, experience-wise, you know, they are there. But uh, you you see a lot of uh, young pairs coming up in the mixed doubles, you know, uh, all in their early 20s and all. Um, and it's it's a very very highly competitive affair, especially if you would want to make it into the next Olympics. Because in order to qualify for the next Olympics, you know, you would have to be either the highest ranked uh, pair, yeah. or you know, have the each country would have to have the top best pairs, uh, uh, top eight best pairs in the world in order for two pairs uh, to enter. So uh, there will be a lot of uh, upcoming pairs which will be pushing Peng Sun and Lee. Um, you know, I, I will I will be genuinely surprised, pleasantly surprised if to, to see them in Paris. But I think uh, on an Olympic stage, uh, this is their final hurrah. Sports journalist Nicholas Anil breaking down Malaysia's performance in badminton at the recent Olympic Games. We zoom in on more events, namely cycling, diving. Right after this, stay tuned. This is Barnan on BFM eighty nine point nine. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. 
This week on the program, we're joined by sports journalist Nicholas Anil, and we've been reviewing and breaking down the Malaysian contingent's performance at the recent Tokyo Olympic Games. Picking up where we left off, we head to the velodrome, where one of our Malaysian protagonists, Dato Azizo Hasni Awang, picked up the silver medal on the final day of the Games. Just judging by Azizul's immediate reaction, you know, after crossing uh, that line in the final, you know, I think uh, even he felt that it was a lost opportunity uh, because, uh, you know, heading into this final, you know, he was in magnificent form. Super. I mean, yeah. he had won his heats uh, by by a convincing manner, you know. Yeah. And then later, you know, he aced the semi-finals as well, you know. Uh, won won the semi-finals to to go into that final, um, and I think you know he had he had such strong belief in himself that this time was his. You know that that gold medal was was his, but um, we all saw what happened. You know we saw Jason Kenny just you know put on a masterclass of yeah. uh, performance and all be treated <laughs> the 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 rest of the the, the chasing pack. Uh, you know and and Jason Kenny is. Is is a legend, you know, not only in Kirin cycling but also in sprint cycling. Sprint, you know, yeah. he's almost the godfather of, of 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 these two disciplines. Mm. Um, and um, for me, there's there's no shame to lose to such a champion. Azizol did really well, you know, despite uh, that that early strategy by Jason Kenny to pull ahead of the racing pack. You know, he still needed to cross the line, you know, yeah. as as a as a top two uh, cyclist, you know, and and he did. He did so well, you know, to 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 just outpace that Dutch rider uh, to get that silver medal. So, a Dutch rider you know, who's a world champion as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. You know, so all accomplished stars in their own right, and I think uh, Azizul can can be extremely proud of himself, you know, for achieving that silver. And he has time on his side. You know, age is still on his side. You know, he's only 33 years old. Uh, Paris is not too long away. Uh, you know, you, you look at him. He's he's a picture of of fitness. You know, he's got so much of of, of muscles uh, packed into those calves. You know, yeah. um, and, and I think uh, you know he's just gonna he's just going to start preparing for Paris right now. You know, there's no time to rest on on his laurels. You know, I'm sure he's already begun to put in the preparations to try and. Uh, Get that goal from Jason Kenny. Yeah, Jason Kenny, like you rightly right mentioned, you know, did a, had a stellar performance, pulled away from the pack. But also, uh, after immediately after the race, you know, you know, looking at you know Twitter timeline and social media and the kind of stuff, there was one thing that a lot of Malaysian fans were talking about about that Australian rider, that uh, Australian cyclist that held the pack up. Right, a lot of people were saying things like, you know, Stachi is not fair. Let's write to the Australian embassy, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Do you think it's justified outrage, Nick? Within reason, you know. Um, within reason, um, if if you if you had read the comments and also a lot of articles, I think uh, published by even the Australian press, you know, uh, they 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 definitely thought that Matthew Glatzer, you know, this uh, Australian cyclist uh, in question, um, had not only um, you know um, destroyed his chances, but he also sort of gave the victory, you know, sort of handed a victory to Jason Kenny mm. uh, on a silver platter simply because, you know, he was more concerned of looking back at his competitors, which was the chasing pack, uh, and not realizing that Jason Kenny had already pulled ahead, yeah. so far ahead, mm. you know, and left such a big gap. Um, but, you know, 
this kind of things happen in sports you know uh, when when you go out there and and when you are ready to do battle for a medal sometimes you're not you're not thinking about anybody else but yourself you know mm. so i think in in matthew glaser's defense you know he was only out there to try and eliminate competition to try and stay ahead of the chasing pack uh, but in doing so you know it, it cost not only him it cost the rest of the um, pack yeah the rest of the pack mm. you know uh, including um, azizol yeah. um, and azizol had had come out and and said later you know um, you know there's nothing um, Uh, that that could have been done, you know. In in sports, we all want to win, but sometimes it is out of our control. Um, I, I can understand the 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 frustration of of the Mal- of our fellow Malaysians, you know. Even even I felt aggrieved, but you know, this thing happens in sports, and yeah. uh, it, it is definitely not done in in purpose, you know. The guy was just you know trying to trying to look out for his best interest and try to finish as high as possible, but. Yeah. You know, ultimately, he he did not even finish in the podium. You know. So. Yes, incidents like this that make sports so exciting, right? And you know, so much to talk about, especially. Exactly. Um, um, moving on, you know, um, Nick, one for the future to pick up the baton from um, Dato Azizo Shafudaus put on a good shift at Tokyo. You know, making it to the quarterfinals of both the Kirin and the Sprint. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think uh, if if. There was a medal for the best warrior, the best Malaysian warrior. Yes, definitely have to go to Shafir Daus, right? You know, uh, after crashing, after suffi- suffering such a horrendous crash, you know, where he actually tore tore part of his 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 skin. You know, yeah. he had to be rushed to hospital. You know, the guy the guy comes out and says, you know, sign a lumber and makes it to the next round. <laughs> you know, crazy. that's the best part. He makes it to the next round. You know, despite suffering from lacerations and you know torn skin i mean what else can you ask from an athlete like this you know shafir daus you know he's definitely one to look out for the future you know he's young you know he's determined he's got that never die never say die attitude you know um, and it's it's unfortunate that it, it it had to happen that he crashed in the in the first round if not you know who knows he, who knows, he could have yeah. gone the distance as well for sure. not only shafir daus we also have another cyclist Fadil Zonis, you know, he's he's another upcoming cyclist. Uh, so you know, the future looks bright for Malaysian cycling. Yeah, and, and you know, part of that reason why the future looks so bright is put down to their coach, right, John Beasley, who's been, you know, at the helm of Malaysian cycling for years and years now, right? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, I guess, his influence and how he's impacted, you know, um, the next generation of cyclists? Yeah, so John John Beasley has been in the Malaysian um, spot, uh, rather Malaysian cycling scene for a long time. You know? yeah. He's been around since 2006, you know, when Azizul was was a young kid, you know. Um, and and John Beasley has fought tooth and nail for Malaysian cycling to the to the extent that you know you you would really have to speak to this to the cyclists uh, to to get their experience. To, to get the full extent of the sacrifices that uh, John Beasley has made, but uh, I would just take one one instance uh, that Azizul recently highlighted in his Facebook posting when he thanked uh, John Beasley. You know, he said during in flights, you know, when they were going uh, traveling for for competition, Beasley used to give his own meal, his own in flight meal to Azizul. Um, and tell him to eat, and you know when Azizul asked him why are you giving me your meal, he said you know I'm not hungry, you know so go ahead and have it. And Azizul you know just believed him, you know and 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 only later on you know he he realized you know uh, that John was doing this to beef Azizul up, you know physically so that he would have the strength and power to compete, you know. 
um, and, and this is just this is just one of the instances uh, of the sacrifices that John Beasley has made. You know, he he's he's taken the cycling team, you know, to train in Australia as well. You know, and I think uh, before this, there were there were a bit of a hesitancy, you know, from from the National Sports Council about you know the elite cyclists uh, training in Australia um, a, a long time ago. But uh, you know, Beasley eventually uh, got his way, and and you can see the results that have been produced. You know. Uh, because uh, so many things go into cycling as well, you know. It's it's not just getting on a bicycle and cycling. You know, yeah. there's nutrition, there's sports science, you know, and there's the facilities, you know, and also uh, uh, sparring partners, you know, training with with athletes who are you know up to 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 your level. And um, uh, John Beasley has done all of this, and you know, which is why you know he's now known as the the godfather of uh, Malaysian cycling. Yeah. And um, I, I really hope that you know he he continues this legacy. Uh, because uh, his his work with with these cyclists is we can't just end after one cycle. You know, we want to see this in in as many cycles as possible. Because continuity is uh, will will result in excellence. You know, only if you have consistency uh, will you be able to produce consistent results. And uh, John Beasley has done that, uh, not only with Azizol but also with Shafir Daus, with Fadil Zonis, and also female cyclists like Fatiha Mustafa. Who has only glowing words to say about him? Yeah. So uh, you know, we, almost, we just look to 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 see uh, John Beasley working more magic with our with our national cyclists. Yeah, it's quite rare to see this, right? Almost like a father son relationship <laughs> in in this context. Um, yeah. Nick from cycling let's move to diving now uh, the sport that I guess hit us the most came home without a medal and uh, expectations was obviously high you know after the medal house at um, London and Rio do you think our divers this year were unlucky or were the Chinese just on a different level like a different species altogether um, you know I when when the diving competition was going on uh, I was scrolling through f- Twitter and you know reading and a lot of tweets you know seem, seem to say that Uh, this Olympics is almost like a welcome relief for these uh, Chinese divers simply because the level of their internal competition <laughs> is way higher than the Olympics. You I know? <laughs> and, and I think it's true to, to so much of, of an extent because wow. if you see how the Chinese divers perform, you know, they, they just blew away the rest of the competition. They did, yeah. You know? Uh, you look at Pandalela's uh, achievement uh, before this. You know, uh, she got herself a bronze. She got herself a silver medal. You know, uh, and that was her uh, matching up to the to these chi- Chinese athletes. You know, but these Chinese athletes, uh, they they have been so consistent, and they seem to have an endless, uh, endless pool of talent. You know, uh, which are ready to take up the. Uh, Uh, Baton at any go, mm. you know, and, and and step up to that springboard and you know, uh, just be in contention for for medals. So I think it was the excellence of the Chinese divers more than anything else. Yeah. Because if you look at the total uh, point count, you know, uh, there was quite a distance between between them and, and the uh, rest other of the nations. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's quite crazy. Yeah, you mentioned Pandalela Rinong. She was definitely the one of the protagonists, you know, one of the people we and the athletes that we expected to see almost uh, on the podium. Before came another um, side hero, No Tabita, who has been, um, you know, shining really. You know, she made it to the finals as well, you know. Um, they both lost podium places in Tokyo. Uh, Pandalela is a veteran uh, at the Olympics. Uh, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think this is her. She she has competed uh, since the 2008 uh, Olympics yep. in Beijing. So, yeah, this makes it her fourth Olympics. You know, and she's been such a consistent performer for us. You know, I think winning bronze in. Um, Uh, in uh, 2012, and you know, uh, in Rio she won silver, and even this time around, you know, she did so well to make it to the finals. Um, I would say that first dive from her at the finals was what uh, perhaps costed her uh, yeah. a medal place, you know, because as she took off from the platform, her feet actually hit the that the platform, you know, That's right, yeah, and 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 that really impacted her performance after that. Um, and so you know, um, really unlucky. Really unfo- yeah, yeah, I was really unfortunate. You know, no, no, no diver wants to, 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 to go through that. You know, to, 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 to come, uh, to come into contact with, with the board. You know, when, when you are on the way down. Um, but we really have to commend her. You know, it's, it's such a intense uh, competition as well. You know, uh, this diving, and there's so many stages for you to get to the finals itself. You know. You have your prelims, and then you have your semifinals. Yeah, it's a long and, journey. You know, in yeah. each round, you know there are five dives, and you know there's so many divers, and in between uh, each rounds, you know there's so many things going through your head. You know you're looking at these divers, and you're constantly thinking, how do I do better? What's the strategy that I'm going to be executing? You know, so for her to make it this far, I think we really have to salute her, and she's only uh, 28 years old. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. She's she's uh, yeah 28, and she 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 will be. Uh, um 31 when when paris rolls along so we'll definitely you know look to see her uh, in paris and as for dabita you know i think um the entire country was smitten by her smile now didn't yeah. you, know, you know that that smile was was a showcase of confidence was a showcase of of you know i think almost almost relaxedness as as she 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 performed every dive. Just another day, almost. <laughs> yeah, just another day, almost for her, you know. And even after she she had finished fourth, you know, uh, during the post match, uh, uh, she she actually cried, and you know, she told the reporter that this is this is not tears because I had finished fourth. This is a tears of relief, you know, uh, because of the hard work of the of the sacrifice of the dedication, you know, um, that that I have made. And for me to come this far, I am just so relieved, you know, to to come up here and perform and give my best. Mm. Um, and I and I think it it said a thousand words about you know her her character and also her de- determination, you for know, sure. to to really do her best. Yeah. And she just missed out by a whisker, fourth place, you know. Very close. I, yeah. I, I thought that 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 final dive was was uh, amazing. Um, and if we are all uh, you know uh, expert uh, judges in diving. Uh, I think you know she would easily be taking home a bronze, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, we are not, and uh, you know uh, she missed out by a whisker. Yeah. But again, you know this is another diver to look forward to. Definitely. She's still young, super young, you know, mm. and um, uh, yeah, definitely one of the one of the, uh, our our medal contenders in Paris. Yep. Uh, and one downside though to the, uh, this year's diving contingent is that this is the first time that Malaysia did not have a male representative since uh, its debut in the 2000 Games. Um, Nick, with eyes set on Paris 2024, do you think that's a lot of work cut out for the Malaysian Swimming Association? Yeah, I think um, 
just looking at this year, you know, usually our athletes, uh, we do, we go to China for for training stints, um, you know, and, and we're there for long periods uh, simply because the infrastructure, the facilities, you know, and um, and um, all the other uh, factors that uh, you know are afforded by the Chinese uh, Swimming Association are at a much higher level. But this year uh, we could not go there because of uh, COVID nineteen and you know the surge of uh, infections in not only in in China but also in Malaysia. Mm. So I think um, that really hampered the preparations uh, of our athletes, and it also resulted you know in our uh, male divers uh, not making the cut. Mm. Uh, I really do hope uh, that you know the swimming association would be able to go ahead with the plans uh, they have projected. You know, which is again to send our divers you know to overseas uh, training stints. Uh, namely China because you know they have the best you know of everything over there mm. um, and you know if if we get to go according to plan uh, I'm sure we'll we'll again you know see uh, a good representation of divers you know at the Olympics yeah hopefully um, looking up at the other notable performances in archery recurve archer Cairo Anwar blazed through the first two elimination rounds before going down in the round of 16 to South Korea's Kim Woo Jin I was watching this live Nick and it looked like the South Korean was just hitting it's, like, it's almost like there's a string between his arrow and the bullseye you know tense 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 <laughs> perfect tense all the time again different bees uh, in gymnastics um, this year we made history uh, well not history but it's the first time in 20 years first time since 2004 sorry that the Malaysian contingent had sent two artistic gymnasts Jeremiah Liu and of course Farah and Hadi um, looking up at the other athletes Nick uh, were there other notable performances for you? Um, yeah um, you know you look you look at our national swimmer Pi Jing Eun you know mm, yes. um, she smashed her own national record in the women's uh, 100 meter breaststroke you know for me that is such an amazing performance because if you look at the at the competition in in swimming, especially at the Olympics level, it's it's mostly dominated by uh, Europeans. You know, Australians are there. You have your Great Britain. You know, you have your Americans. Um, so to stack up against them, you know, and to you know produce your best and and beat your own uh, national record for me is is simply outstanding. And another one is our our uh, female our national female sprinter Azrin Nabila, who beat her personal best. You know, and clocked eleven point seven seven seconds in the women's uh, hundred meter yeah. heats. Now, this is an athlete. You know, that was given a wild card just a couple of weeks before the Olympics, so she did not have much preparation. I think she was only she only had about three weeks preparation, and she went there without her coach. You know, and for her to go there and give her best and and clock her own own personal best yeah. uh, was was outstanding. You know. So for me, these are the two outstanding athletes. But of course, we should not forget about the rest. You know, I think all of the athletes, uh, you know, uh, in totality, they they all did you know really well despite the results. Because you have to like like you mentioned earlier in the show, Daryl. You know, this is the Olympics like none other, and this was a preparations like none other. You know, all these athletes were already in a bubble. You know, for a long time in a training bubble, which means. You know, they were cut out from the outside world. They were not allowed to see their family. They were not allowed to see their friends. You know, it was just a matter of their dormitory, you know, and to their training and back to and back to their living uh, living space, you know, which is a dorm um, uh, or, a, or a hostel which, uh, which, which they stayed in, you know. So for them to, you know, really just absolutely sacrifice so much, put so much of blood, sweat and tears and, and, and dedication you know, and to simply make it to the grandest stage of all, 
uh, which is the Olympic, I think you know deserves the deserves the the highest praise. Now, sports journalist Nicholas Anil joining us on the program this week to break down the Malaysian contingent's performance at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's program. If you'd like to revisit the episode, you can head over to our website www.bfm.my/barnan, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong, and this has been Barnan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week only here on BFM 89.9, the Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.